The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today I have with me Melinda Richardson. Melinda is a motivational speaker, certified Department of Defense mediator, lecturer, parent advocate, certified grief recovery coach, and CEO and founder of Emerging Beyond. She travels extensively throughout the nation with unique gifts that assist in facilitating inner healing, wholeness, and recovery to those who are emotionally incomplete due to the trauma associated with unresolved loss. She's passionate about this process of recovery, not mere support, but wholeness, which brings about results through faith and hope. Melinda also has a foundation within Emerging Beyond named A Miracle's Touch, Her desire is to see the miraculous healing process give hope to all who've suffered the loss of a child by mirroring the concept of the butterfly's metamorphosis, thus producing a beautiful ending out of a tragic event. All are welcome to emerge beyond without her, with her, sorry, and and through emerging beyond, Melinda invites those she works with to make lemonade out of lemons. Welcome, Melinda. Thank you very much, Cheryl. It's nice to have have you on the air. Um, we met at a conference, as you're aware, and um, I made some very good good friends out of that conference. And I'm I'm glad to have you here as well. Thank you, and thank you for keeping in touch because I was inspired and, and encouraged by you coming in. So I thank you for stopping by. Oh, actually, very very welcome. Um, I want to start just talking a little more about Emerging Beyond. How long have you been doing it, and can you give the listeners kind of a sense of of the scope of what you do? Okay, Emerging Beyond really actually began probably about four years ago as far as establishing websites and, and everything else to pull it up to social media and for others to come in. Like I said, it's about four years ago. However, Mm -hmm. the event or the tragedy happened 13 years ago. So all throughout that time, I've been doing, you know, speaking at different places, talking to people individually, but I realized something more needed to be birthed out of that. And um, as I spoke with more people, they encouraged me, and bam, here we are. (laughs) Um, So probably full force, I would say, within the last four to five years. That's, uh, you know, I always ask things like that because, uh, for instance, me in this show, um, my wife died in 1995, 
and it is now 2015. So almost, you know, almost 20 years ago. And it, and I've only been doing the show a couple years. You know, it uh, it keeps what we do with our losses keeps evolving over time, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. Well, that's good to know because it really does. And actually, a miracle is one of actually six miscarriages that I had. However, this one was further along, and she actually lived and breathed. So it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. You mm. know, a lot of times sweep things under the rug. And I didn't do that in all the other times. I'm not saying that. But this one made me more aware. Um, something more needed to be done. And had I had something like this, you know, when I was growing through, um, things would have been different. But how, I feel like it would have been different to have someone there to help me afterwards. But I do see what you're saying as far as evolving. I try to put the whole package in at one time, but it is. It's evolving. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, that... Uh, I had planned on talking a bit about it later, but since you bring it up, how did you cope given that it sounds like you didn't know where to turn to to talk it through or have support in your own process? What helped you? It's my faith, first of all. Mm. Second of all, I got on the Internet and I, you know, just looked up stuff. I tried to find certain things, and I journaled. Really journaling for me was a way of pouring out my feelings, whether it was anger, whether it was misunderstanding. There were lots of tears. Um, My family was there, but there's still that time where you just, you know, you have to process the best way you can, and it affected each one of us differently. So for the most part, journaling was a, a, a huge part. Mm-hmm. Of me just putting my thoughts out and uh, and healing without being judged in a different sort of a way. There's also a book that I used, um, Empty Arms, and that was the first time. That one was really, really, I recommend that until I write my own, and I still will. Uh-huh. Um, but Empty Arms says hope and support for those who have suffered a miscarriage, stillbirth, or tubal pregnancy. What happens with that is a lot of times you may not feel like, People want to hear what happened, you know, or or are sensitive enough to hear that, after all, if it's early in pregnancy, people have all these slogans and sayings that, you know, you really just don't want to hear at that moment or that time. So it really was, if I had to say, it would be faith, journaling, that book I did find, and I just, just delved into the Internet looking for answers that I really couldn't find. It was really processed. Mm. Uh, I... I feel compelled to mention um, that I had on the woman that returned to zero. I don't know if you've seen that film. Uh, uh, The woman that was based on um, the filmmaker's wife was on my show and now does run an organization um, for women who've experienced that. And and she's quite worth getting in touch with, uh, just so you know about her and other people out there. you know, it feels to me like that particular loss is getting, um, well, maybe all grief is is becoming more talkable, but mm-hmm. I think that, that one was very buried for a long time. Um, yes, you yes, know. and that's exactly what I mean with that. It, it, it was, and for the most part, I understand my sister, who's a labor and delivery nurse now, and she's been for 15 years um, in a very prominent hospital out of New York. I always ask people, what program do you have set up, you know, for women who are um, stillborn? Even people who have, you know, lost toddlers, little 
toddlers or infants. What what is set up? Let's go back to the hospital portion, though. And she said, well, really, you know, we kind of make them as comfortable as we can, but in reality, they still have other patients that they have to take care of. You know, that's a load. So they're as kind and as um, hospitable, if that can be a word you use, at that time, but then the people really still just go home. There's also kits that they try to give them to pacify, but really you go home with empty arms and a longing and no one to talk to. However, you're correct. They just this year, because of the awareness of Emerging Beyond, because of PLIDA, which is a perinatal bereavement conference that hosts um, people from all over the world, they have now made this, as you said, an emerging importance in labor and delivery and nursing programs as a whole because they're even adding it into some colleges so that nurses and medical facility, medical personnel are more, I guess, aware or begin to do things a little differently, just more concerned. And there's still a yes. limit. We do understand that. So it's somebody or something that can go with them a little bit further after they're discharged from the hospital. And you don't just go out with nothing. So... At, well, and, uh, I mean, you're saying something so important here on so many levels, but I, I, I really, I really, uh, feel strongly that, um, what happens when you first experience a loss, uh, has a, a really strong connection to your grief. And so, um, you know, there are pro, I've, I've now interviewed several women who've had, um, either early pregnancy loss or um, stillbirth or, you know, anything in that um, time. And if someone came in and if they were allowed to stay with with their baby for a while, if they if pictures were taken, you know, if if someone was allowed to come in and be with you, even if the nurses don't have time, makes such a big difference, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It really does. And I also back then didn't know... I live in Texas, and in October, it's actual National Pregnancy Loss Month. They have just like, you know, all the other awarenesses. They've mm-hmm. actually now adopted a month, a, a month in that, and I didn't know that. So that's what I've been speaking at the last five years for one that's here in Fort Worth, the Fort Worth-Dallas area. Yes. And the people and the response, it's, it's amazing. It is amazing. Uh, I do know the ladies um, from Return to Zero. I do know her. I met her at one of the conferences, and her information is actually going to go on the website. There's also a photographer now that comes in and does it. Sometimes it's free of charge. Other times it's not. So that awareness of it or the attention towards perinatal loss is really has really increased. Yeah, and it I'm has. happy to hear that and see that. You know, Absolutely. all loss, like you said, because it can be processed incorrectly if you don't catch it at the very you know, onset yes. of grief. Yeah, uh, uh, just uh, certain things to me. Um, and by the way, we should mention her name, Kylie Hanish, because she has her own, <laughs> her, her own identity, of course. <laughs> um, but in any case, um, you know, it, for me, the primary thing is to be heard. Uh, yeah. And, and I as I was looking at your website, it seemed very present, that idea of being being heard. And it's not always easy to get for people. Um, you know, it's not always easy to find someone who wants to hear the entire range of what you experience in loss. 
That is so true. And with a miracle, I don't know if I told you because I didn't get to tell that part, and something else will be coming out. We were actually overseas in Japan by way of the military. So there's an awareness there, too, that I would like to, um, you know, actually bring to a forefront as well. It's everywhere, don't get me wrong, but then even in that community itself, what do you do when you, you know, you experience this loss? Then you have, you're in a foreign country with other Americans, don't get me wrong, but maybe away from family and, you know, like when I say that, you're with your immediate family, but maybe sisters and brothers who aren't there. That also takes a different toll. So it, it, it wasn't, it is important what Absolutely. happens right at. Oh, and I and I know from um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law who were career military that you get close, oh. but you know you're going to be moving on. So the yes. the relationships are not the same as if you're in one place and you just know you're staying. Uh, right. It was that your experience also. And it was with some, but we stayed in Japan for twelve years. So oh. That, uh, <laughs> A little different. That took a little different toll, and I'm still friends with those people who were around our bed during that time, who were there for us because you know we had to ship the body back and, and the whole process. Those are friends that I have now for life, and they've also been support, advocate pushing. Um, there's an article on the website. I don't know if you got a chance to read that, where my one friend said something great is going to come out of this. Mm-hmm. You don't see that then. But they have also been there, too, saying, Melinda, you know, you, you have to push this. Because I believe almost, out of people that are listening, everybody knows somebody who has experienced grief as a whole, but really the loss of a, a, a child. Because to me, that was part of my, it's anybody with any portion, it's a promise and it's, um, you know, a future you look forward to. But it's like you plan, and, and, and then that whole inheritance, that whole peace tends to be, lost so now you have to regroup regroup yeah in every loss but how yes. do you move on from that part and i i'm really that's the part that i'm really passionate about well and that of course that's a very familiar almost everybody who comes on my show has um developed yeah. a passion for helping out of their loss um yeah. and so I, I think that's a very common common experience for people who've actually allowed themselves the grief allowed themselves yeah. to feel all they feel when you when you uh you know find it find a new way to live after that you kind of yes. want to share something yeah and yes. make it a you little bit easier yes when you just said allow themselves allow themselves to grieve and i know you're the expert in this but that peace i think tends to not or in the past had not been understood as much when it comes to babies or or miscarriages mm-hmm. or stillborns or even tubal. There's a connection mm-hmm. that happens, you know, that I yes. think most people are like, oh, you can try again, or you can do this. Or, you, no, it's not just that easy. For a person, there's an emotional tie that can begin to come that form. Yes, you know? there's already and, a relationship, and, huh? Yes, yes, exactly. So a lot of times people are forced to not allow themselves to grieve. And that, in this instance, and that's not healthy because I watch people blow up later on or things that happen. I call it incubated. Mm -hmm. It's an incubated emotion. And later on you might, you think someone just blows up, whether it's drugs, alcohol, um, 
withdrawal, whatever it is that takes them out of character, you'll think it happened all of a sudden, and it really didn't. It was something that they buried Absolutely. by not being allowed to grieve, to grieve yes. that actually well, caused that. Uh, you mentioned faith having having been very important to you, and I think that can be true. But I wonder what you think about another thing I noticed, that sometimes people use faith to kind of shut grief down. Um, Religion that, for instance, does that faith. Uh, you know, yes, you're right. uh, they're in a better place or they're, you know, all might be true, of course, but you, that's, it's still, they're not here. There's still right. that to deal with. So how, exactly. how um, you know, I have noticed, uh, I'm, my wife is from a very, my current wife is from a very large family, so I go a lot to a lot of memorials. And, yes. um, and I have noticed over the years, we've been together 18 years, I guess. Um, over the years, there's a little bit of a shift, like you might hear, um, so, God, please support us in our grief, as well as better place. Uh, but I wonder if you've noticed a change uh, in that way, or maybe your faith community already was was um, acknowledging that grief doesn't mean a lack of faith. <laughs> um, well, there's two ways to address that, <clears throat> if I may. Faith, first of all, Faith and religion are two different things for me. I don't know about mm -hmm. other people. And when mm -hmm. I start talking faith, I'm talking relationship. And for me, in that, that means there's a realness whereby I, I and the people that I'm around, we really talk this out because what happens in that loss is it's trauma. It's Absolutely. really a trauma. And a lot of times we deal with the trauma piece, and you have to process that. So for us, religion, the difference to me is religion peace does just what you say. They're in a better place. Those are all slogans to try to, to give you a crutch, so to speak. They're in a better place, but I'm not. So how do I, how do we process that peace and the truth come out um, from that part? And the people that I'm around and have been, it's a little different because we talk things through. Um, but I have heard what you said. And I also find um, that with different cultures, they're, they're told to be strong. They're told, oh, that's part of what I was saying earlier. You can try again, or um, it wasn't meant to be. I think that those sometimes can be excuses that aren't the truth. <laughs> There's no easy way to say that, that aren't the truth. Because I, as a little girl, has always been very curious of, okay, so, but that can't be that all to it. What else is it there? And I think that curiosity and relationship piece with my faith is what took me on a quest to delve deeper into knowing the truth. And that's what I try to share, Cheryl. Oh, I want to talk more about that after the break, because I think <laughs> that putting those two things together is just so vital for so many people that, that grief um, brings questions that we hadn't deeply considered. Um, and having a, a, a platform underneath some sense of faith can actually help you ask the questions, yeah? Yes, yeah. can. So yes. let's talk more about that when we, when we get back. Uh, listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. Like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter and all of that kind of stuff. And to find Mel Melinda Richardson, go to EmergingBeyond.org. Be back soon.
Network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Melinda Richardson about her organization, Emerging Beyond, and the work they do to encourage a more open conversation and greater healing and wholeness from loss. And before the break, we were beginning to talk about this uh, this um, intersection of um, whatever people define as faith, uh, which which I guess I would say a belief in something greater than myself or... Uh, uh, you know, some kind of um, underpinning, some kind of platform that you stand on, intersecting that with an invitation to feel everything we feel with grief. And um, I, I'd be interesting, interested to hear how you put those together for yourself. Okay, so I'll be honest with, with, with how I did that. You know, I'm looking at something I had written, and if I can share that, it was Absolutely. talking to God. This is my conversation because the God that I talk to is, is relational, like I said, and not religion. So I just want to read a portion of what I wrote to him. It says, letting go is not always, this is me, letting go is not always easy but is a must. The Lord helped me in dealing with this as I cried in his arms and faced honest facts and feelings that I knew needed to be dealt with. His coaching and assurance of healing after I told him how hurt I was, how angry and how bad my heart hurt in this. He said, that's okay. This is the thought I hit my daughter. The honesty was a weight lifted, especially when I could hear in my heart him say, let me heal your hurt. Don't just stay there. Now, all of my young life, and apart from my own personal relationship with the Lord, I'd hear, don't question God. I could never understand that, though. Why couldn't I question the one who made me, who created me? 
after all, he really was the only one with the answers for my life. I know that now and learned that then. Actually, knowing me, I probably asked him anyways. It was at that moment that I began... I could feel him to be, begin suturing the portion of deep woundedness in my heart that could only be repaired. I didn't say that it didn't hurt anymore, but it made me know and question that the God I served, the relationship I had, was really real and that he cared for me. Then I went on this quest. It was also what I imagined the father had to go through when he had to release his precious son, you know, and all of that other part. But that's the difference to me between religion and being spiritual. The whole process, for what I believe, could have been stopped at one point or not. But if you love me, then how is this happening? And I heard him say, your purpose, my purpose, is greater than your pain. That's where you'll see the book that's in the making. <laughs> um, because then it, it took me into this piece of wanting to pay it forward, Cheryl. You know, if I, if I could process this and he could work with me through this, then how could I use this to reach back and help someone else who's going through it and told to just stifle your feelings? Um, don't ask why. Don't wonder. Don't delve into the deeper. So that's a portion, just a portion of what I wrote um, on that's, getting through this. You know, I read something, I, and I unfortunately can't remember where. I've been reading so much, but um, <laughs> it, it was... Um, the basic idea of it was, um, why do we think God is so small, whatever we conceive of as God is so small, yes. that we can't get mad, or we can't, <laughs> you know, we can't question, or we can't be exactly where we are. Um, that's kind of the opposite of the sense of really being, uh, having, having a, a helpful presence beside you. If you can yes. only, if it can, if you can only be helped when you're feeling happy about things, right? And that that's unrealistic in in reality because then it does what we said talked about earlier. It actually really just makes you bury something, and that's not reality. A healthy emotion is anger as well. It's just how you process that anger, that um, or the hurt, or the disappointment, or the grief. All of it, you know, it's, it's no. Because I think that's why we have a lot of, some of the challenges that we have with people either putting on masks or burying things that need to really be dealt with. And one of the things I always say is you deal to heal. Mm. You know, you, you said something else quite, quite interesting uh, from my point of view. You said you had had several other losses before this one, uh, this final one of a miracle. Um, yes. But but that's the one that put you over the edge, and in a way, I um, I think of life that way. I mean, we have losses our whole lives, little, big, yes. in between. Um, I'm sure if I if I frame the the question correctly, every person over six or seven years old could name things they've lost. But yes. but sometimes we don't realize realize that or really deal with it until something just takes us to our knees. Yes. I think also with this one is I felt helpless. There was a point there where if I can be a little trans, well, I've been transparent, so I might as well keep on. There was a point where I was holding her in my arms and I was looking down at her and she, they were, they were amazed because she was breathing on her own and she was sucking her tongue. 
and I saw my oldest daughter, a little one of her, in her, and it was like, okay, she's fighting, she's fighting, she's fighting. The facility we were in was not equipped for NICU. And so they took her away, and she had not actually died yet. And mm-hmm. that point, I remember, first of all, looking down at her face and saying, no matter how small, when I, when I say that, how little or how long you survive, these moments will not be in vain. So that's been a major focus point for me. It brought that point to a, a critical mass, so to speak, that... Afterwards, it was a lot, like I said, to process to get through, but feeling helpless, like I didn't do enough at one point. So those were all questions as well. Um, sure. I didn't stop so-and-so, you know, the, the wonderings. Um, the next time I really saw her was once we got to the States and we were having this, the memorial. But it was like I will not let those moments, that thought, that time be in vain. And so that's why I, I, I really feel the push, the focus, and the desire to. So, I, it, you know, I always phrase it as the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it actually made me do something, and my whole family's involved in that. But that part really gets me. I mean, the part of did I do enough? I mean, I'm not lost in that point anymore, but I know what I can do from that point on once I was able to, to, you know, move forward from that. So there's two things that come to my mind listening. One is that what you do is so deeply connected to her that I wonder if that isn't how you relate to her, uh, you know, within yourself. Uh, that's an expression of that relationship you had with her, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. I, I recently interviewed... Um, uh, Lorraine Hedke, who um, does a lot of work with keeping relationship alive after death, and I, I think that's something we kind of do naturally, but that's another thing people don't exactly accept, that that whoever we've loved is still a part of our lives. In what a, yes. obvi- obviously and no matter for the, how long or short they've lived, that's true, Cheryl. Yeah, well, and obviously for people like you and I, that's evident in what we actually do, but I think it's probably true for people who don't end up working with grief as well. Yes, that, that's so, so true. I want to talk, this is, this is a, a real um, shift of subject, but um, I've, I have the idea, um, just because of what I observe, you know, there, there's cultural grief going on right now. Um, uh-huh. um, Black Lives Matter, um, the amount we're exposed to just incredibly traumatic losses. Yes. Um, and, you know, that has an, um, an educating aspect, hopefully. Yes. Um, but speaking of making something out of something terrible, but um, there seems to me to be, and I want to know your opinion on, on this, kind of a, kind of a divide. Um, for instance, we met at, at a conference, an end-of-life conference, um, that was supposed to be, um, their, their subject was diversity. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was so disappointed <laughs> 
that it was not very diverse, you know. Um, right. And then I had a guest who had gone to a, a mother a mother loss conference, um, and there were several uh, women. I think I think maybe um, Trayvon Martin's family was there. She was the only white person at that conference. Um, uh huh. And and I hope it's not universal that that's true, <laughs> but do you do you think there? First of all, do you think there's any difference we might need to attend to? And I and I know that we can't generalize, right? But but also, how do we come together in our commonality as people who have have lost our loved ones? Because um, that's what connects me to people uh, so deeply. It, um, that was a big long speech to say. What do you think about? <laughs> no, but that was very good because when I did open to share, I don't know if we have access to the YouTube's that I did. One I did was exactly what you're what you're um tapping on or tapping into. One of them that I did was about diversity and African American community and grief. The other one was about the perinatal piece. And what I found, and that's another piece that I'm working on, is for the education. I think it's education one into communities. And really, you have certain cultures that keep things secret, don't know how to to deal, so to speak. That conference that you're talking about that we went to, End of Life, you know there was also a um, funeral director's (laughs) conference going on at the same time. And what I found is... The funeral director's portion had a whole lot more African Americans than it did, you know, over where we were. But mm-hmm. I think that's the piece that I'm trying to integrate as well, which is one of the reasons why I was there, because of the diversity. I was invited to that one from a Plyta conference because they were saying just what you said. We don't see many people of color, women even, if you want to take it to that, but people of color, um, diverse so to speak, and or cultures that are active. It's kind of like you said, grief does bring a commonality, just like at the end of the day we all bleed red blood. Mm. That's another commonality. But I think the education, taking it in, which is what I want to do, that's the other part. Um, You'll see a miracle's touch is just a portion of emerging beyond. Educating people to one, know to deal, to heal, is, is another piece. I think traditionally, and I can only speak for African Americans, um, and not all of them, just, you know, the piece that I've seen in, in my portion of growing up, they deal with funerals, but they don't have, um, they don't have the information to then know to go on. Let me give you a perfect example. My aunt, who lost her husband suddenly after 51 years, he died of a heart attack. I've watched her, um, attend the funeral, but again, I felt like this was religious and not spiritual, okay, because there was no process after that that I could see of, and I'm really close to still hearing things, and I listened to her try to deal with this all alone, Cheryl. I mm-hmm. mean, she talks to my mom, she talks to some friends who've done stuff, but nobody that can really delve into her telling her, you know, it's okay to feel what you feel, and why don't you go with a, a, another group, a group of people, sometimes when it's strangers, that even helps you more. Go with another group where you can actually be who you need to be in this moment, where you can process. Now, when I go around her, because they're in New York, 
I awakened that side. And I said to my sister, something's wrong with that. I'm a, I see people who really could help her, but she wasn't, it wasn't available in her community right away or that she's aware of. Let me put it that way. Um, so I think just like the perinatal awareness is becoming more, more prevalent in the labor delivery portion, I feel like it needs to be more educated, even if we can get it into funeral homes in certain areas, even if we could get it into um, hospitals maybe when the person exp- dies, you know, right then, because I see her now suffering in a way that if she could at least get with some other people to talk, I feel like she would be okay. My mother, who wasn't even the best help at one point, she says to her, well, you know, I lost my husband too. Yes, you did, but he doesn't make it any easy. He lingered on for quite some time in a sickness. This was instant for this lady. Her whole world, it was a man that she depended on for everything. Now Mm. her whole world is thrown into a flux where she's scraping to survive with no one to really talk to. That was a long speech, too, Cheryl. Sorry. Oh, hey, that's totally fine. Uh, I've been doing some presentations at a uh, at a funeral home near my ah, house, and okay. um, they are really trying. Uh, you know, the thing about people that work in funeral homes is they've developed some comfort with death, but they don't always share themselves with the people that are coming in to plan a funeral. They're more, you know, they're selling caskets or whatever they're doing but i think yes. i think that that and and you know maybe they have a few pamphlets around but i think that that at least where i live and you know california is kind of you know uh touchy-feely i guess <laughs> in a way um yes <laughs> more than some places um but that just seems so vital for someone to say this really hurts what's your support um uh, can we can we give you some some ideas where you can talk to other people who've had loss? You know, I, I think that would make a huge difference. And I, I guess we would have to find the entryway where they could be aware, made aware that these support groups are there. You know, hospice has always been around, but I didn't hear it as prevalent when I was growing up as I do now. So it kind of grew in a way that it needs to. And I guess there's there needs to be an, an inroad whereby people are aware because that when you just said black lives matter, look at how fast that, so to speak, caught fire. Mm-hmm. If that can do that, I feel like educating people to know that there are some things because see, we have this big racial divide that's going on all around, except for the people, the remnant or those that, like you said, you find the commonality. A person is a person to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if we if there's a, a, a good inroad to educate them before this pent-up trauma blows up into this, what we're seeing, um, perhaps that would be able to, to, to help alleviate Let's Let's talk things. about you that know, more. Let me put I, it that way, it's the beginning. Yeah, I, I have thought a lot about, you know, just um, our capacity as human beings to deal with loss after loss after loss. And um, when... You know, when I think racism in itself is a loss, too. Um, But then there's death after death and injustice after injustice. People may be shut down a little. I don't know. Let's talk about that when we get back. And uh, listeners, you can go find me at www.weatheringrief.com. And to find Melinda Richardson, go to emergingbeyond.org. Back after the break. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. I've been talking with Melinda Richardson about her work following her own losses to open the conversation about loss in her community and in her work. And, um, you know, we were, we were just talking somewhat about, um, the impact of all the losses that we're exposed to and, um, you know, just as human beings on the planet these days, um, one thought I was having was, um, I feel Maybe I overplay this because of, because of me and how I relate to grief, but I feel as if people are aching to be allowed their grief. You know, when someone, uh, when there's a public event of someone dying, like even Princess Diana or, you know, um, people, um, gravitate. I, I'm, I've got an image of my head of when she died and there were just blocks of, of, um, flowers and, you know, memorabilia and all that somehow people don't do well if they're not allowed to grieve Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree with you Cheryl and that I like the term you use aching to grieve or aching their grief Mm. that is the manifestation of a small symbol of what they do and then they're expected I guess to somehow go on after that (laughs) which doesn't do well well, and and then of course with with traumas like you know Ferguson and I mean all, there are so many that we we all know about these days. Um, to me, that adds a layer because there's no safety. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it, it it's um, bringing up the danger that people are living in, and and it's hard to grieve when you feel unsafe. That's true. Do you, do you think that factors into people kind of not talking sometimes? I think it does, and I think the violence that comes out of it is actually a different manifestation of grief. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's it's that's... an unhealthy manifestation of grief because the biggest piece in that is really it's an equality issue is what they're feeling. However, rather than peacefully doing what you need to do, it manifests through anger and 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 ways that it shouldn't. So again, we go back to that piece of how can we get in. Um, the education, and some people will probably beg to differ and say, how can you educate violence? I'm not saying that you could, or, or you know, how, how rage-filled people become because they're thinking of yet here's another one. But I believe, just like everything else, there's an inroad somehow that we can, and it really would be about uh, uh, um, addressing the equality issue. And, I, again, I sit back with my family and we watch that, and I say, okay, they're manifesting it wrong. They're hurting you're feeling certain things, and rather than being allowed to grieve through your, tra- your trauma, and I'm not saying that you, you teach a person how to grieve, but there's a better way to express that than for it to come out in anger the way it has been. Well, I, I agree with you, and I can really understand um, when, you've, when you've been, uh, you know, not heard in so many ways for so long, um, and, uh, that just continues. Um, yeah. it can be pretty explosive. So I, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, for, for any of us, and some of us have found some other way to express it, but, um, right. Boy, it, it makes me mad too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just the, the phenomenon. And the lack of- it makes you mad, but you don't act that way. And that's the piece, I think, because you need to know you, you can express it. You can't, and I'm getting ready to shift the subject for a quick moment. That's one of the things that's in my kit for Emerging Beyond is there's a stress ball in there, and I know sometimes you need something bigger than a stress ball, but it's just for those moments where it's like you almost feel explosive, so to speak. I can't express this the way I need to at the moment, but I wouldn't go out and throw a... um, and that's just me. And I understand because I always say we may not understand their truth and their reality of what they're feeling, um, you know, in that moment. But that is one of the things in my little kid that it's a stress ball just for those time, those just moments. To, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're, we're really talking about if you're allowed the entire range of feelings and if you feel heard, it helps everything. Yes, ma'am. Exactly. Um, it does. Yeah, I'm I'm working with someone out here just it's going to take a long time but I I feel we need some kind of community grief ritual. I live in Oakland. There's a lot of violence in in certain parts of Oakland, not all over Oakland. And uh I just think of the weight that people are bearing, you know, um expecting that. They've just, you know, people in, in certain parts of my city have come to expect loss after loss after loss and what kind of impact yeah. that has on folks. Um, so at yeah. least to have some place to um, share that. That's true. That's what I'm trying to do with the recovery center. That's my vision. One of the visions for... Um, the purpose of that being there, which I'm getting ready to put more. By the way, the, the website is being revamped. Within a week, it'll be up to speed the way I feel like it needs to be or so. But that's one of the things, a place to come and feel safe in what you said. And that's just one of many because I even started seeing pop up perinatal family crisis centers where people can go. Um, there was one actually 
there were people there at the last the end of life conference that you were at. There's one huge one in San Antonio. Mm. Um, there's one scheduled to come up in Dallas, and we're doing, you know, working on some other things. But it's just that, and it's for the family as a whole as well. You know, you separate them out, but all of them can come in and actually find a place that, again, goes back to educating and comforting um, so that the road of recovery, road to recovery, can actually be um, presented differently. You don't have to do it alone. Well, that that brings up an interesting point, too. I mean, you naturally led to where I was kind of going in my head, you know, dreams for your for your work. But in the meantime, you brought up um, the different ways, uh, you know, particularly with uh, perinatal loss like yours, I think the rest of the family is is very um, very under considered. Uh, if if the mothers don't have a place to talk, imagine everybody else. Um, exactly. And and I know your your whole family has been involved in in trying to change that and make more spaces for people to share their grief. Yes. And that is a blessing. Again, that came out of faith, the faith-filled part, because my husband, I remember looking, and there is a YouTube on there on a website of what he shared, but I also just posted at Father's Day, and this was something I seen at one of the first Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month gatherings, conferences, whatever you'd like to call it. And right. Dad's, and when I read that part of Dad's grief or partner's grief, it was like, ah, you know, I, and then I remember talking to someone, and they said, well, yeah, she lost a child, but I lost her. You know, in the whole process, when it's not processed correct, the person that that partner, that individual knew is no longer that person. So mm. through that whole process, you want to be able to, to try to include everybody. My daughter brings it in because she was young then. She brings it in from a um, sibling's point of view. She was 11. Right. You know, right. and she shares, I, I was looking forward to this sister so I can relate. She's older now, but she's still young enough where she can um, share that portion on the sibling loss. Well, and the I think thing that is, is a good a balance. The thing is, when there's a child uh, coming or very young, Everybody in the family has created a um, yes. a picture of that person that's quite real for people, and yes. so just on that level, everyone is experiencing a loss. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. They are. They really, really are. <laughs> so, so let's talk a little bit about your your dreams. You've mentioned some of them. I, I'm assuming just to continue to have an impact on the conversation and help people have. Uh, somewhere to go with their grief, and you've you've mentioned the recovery center that you'd like to start. Do you have other dreams that are in the? Ma- oh, you also mentioned a book you're working on, huh? <laughs> yes, a book that- and several articles that are, are in the works. I think this actually, the awareness and this portion of this segment of radio has now actually opened up a whole nother level for me. You said initially it's evolving, and that it is. My other piece would be to get into the the DOD, Department of Defense, to get into the military portion of it and Mm. make more hospitals and community centers and other people aware of that's education again, reaching them who will then reach their family because it was not available to me, so I'm passionate about that. I'm also passionate about reaching African-American women, all women, don't get me wrong, but when we just shared the piece of diversity, I want to bring awareness to people who do not have awareness. So I'm looking at streams and venues into that. And I have 
you know, leads into it, but just really, so it would be the African-American women, like I said, young and old, all mm-hmm. women are welcome, but just to target those who I feel like um, are either shied away, are not aware, and need to be made aware, the military as a whole, both stateside and overseas, and the recovery center. You know, if we're talking about grief and the military, that's a whole other show. I think it is. Uh, you know because it is. because um everybody that is a part of the military is um exposed to loss in a different way but not necessarily exposed to you know watching your husband's video I was yeah. very struck men are not supposed to talk about it and they're supposed to be strong Anyway, and then add the military piece of, you know, super strong in some sense. Um, I think that must make it so much harder, um, unnecessarily. Um, Yes. So hopefully, (laughs) uh, hopefully he can, um, he can, uh, because there is some truth that uh, if someone is similar to you, you might have a, a little bit of a head start on trust. Do you think? Yeah. Like if, if he's true. talking to other military men, uh, he may have a tiny bit of a head start on anyone else. Would That's you say? Because he understands it. And I'm also prior military. I did five years, so there, uh-huh. I, I know both sides. I know the spouse side. Cheryl? I'm still here. Okay. I know the spouse side as well as the female soldier side. And so that does, and then we still, like I said, you know, are around, well, not so much around the active military, but we have friends and stuff who are still in it as much as we are with the Department of Defense civilians. And now we have both going over, you know, to to Iraq or Afghanistan to do things. And so, yes, that he does have a, a different inroad. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't disqualifying you there, but just... Um... Oh, I know. <laughs> I didn't take it that way, <laughs> but so, you're right. You know, you're correct. Here's, here's the thing. I mean, um, we're we're talking in a sense about how um, once you're once you're kind of open to the experience of of grieving and living and reassimilating, it does tend to spread out, doesn't it? Uh, you know, yeah. you see you see that impacting people, and you want to make a difference. Yes, yes, yes. Had I had or by chance turned on the radio, and that's what I thought of when you you asked me with this, had I by chance been able to turn on the radio and hear someone addressing grief, first of all, and being able to process it, being able to talk about then the perinatal piece and how real it was and how you're not alone, it would have done wonders. Um, compassionate friends is something that I had found out there during that time and um, shared. There's another one called Share. They're on my website. But those were the only few I could see uh, here, Cheryl, or find, should mm-hmm, I say, at that mm-hmm. time. So I commend you for the work that you're doing. I thank you for that. And that was my prayer or this today was that if someone turned on and needed to hear, I mean, each week, for what you're doing, but just was able to turn on and a listener was impacted to know that they could, you know, be touched in a different way. Somebody understands. That, to me, would make this all worth it, Cheryl. 
Mm, thank you for that. And um, I, I want to mention that I do have an index on my website. It's slightly out of date right now, but um, there is a on the index page on my website, not the station page, there is a category for um, perinatal loss. So if people okay. wanted to hear interviews, and of course your your interview, our interview will go in there too. Uh, if people want to hear specifically people who have experienced that and work with that, they can go there. Thank you so much for being with me, Melinda. We've come to the end of our hour. It's It's been a real pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. Um, next week, listeners, Brendan and Justine Schultz, parents who lost their 18-month-old daughter in a traumatic accident, and Kath McIntyre, who made a beautiful film remembering Sophie about their experiences, will be on the show. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.